With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Central Falls Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the second episode of having the great Ed Parker Jr., He was my sixth guest uh, when I when I had him on the show. I don't know, a decade ago. He came out to see my first movie when it played at the Quentin Tarantino Theater and his lovely wife. Uh, just a great human being. He can tell us some stories about his father, martial arts things of that sort. Now, why should we wait even a second? Now, we have a special guest as well. We have Amy Johnston, who you have, you may have known before. She has been on the show before. She is an excellent martial artist. She is from the Ed Parker style. She is a brilliant swordsman. She's an actress. She's a show movie right now on, on Netflix. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that. But uh, I can I can think of a better person to bring on the show than her today. So let's go ahead and stop the music, bring on the clap track, and bring them both in here, huh? Now, there's nothing like the clap track, my friends. Let's do this thing, huh? <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Good, good. How are you? Good. I'm telling you that clap track. If we're on a belt somewhere in your life, it'd be a fantastic little deal. I'd like to know who really earned those laughs and claps. The the, the origins of it, or was it just a, you know, <laughs> come on, guys, <laughs> just clap as much as you can. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was one of those things. I'm pretty sure it was a, a a a fake thing. But I would like to think. That yeah, I give you a box lunch. Chat, clap and cheer. <laughs> clap and cheer right now, you bunch of animals. But I'd like to think. <laughs> I would like to think that it, it came from uh, you know some monologue by Shakespeare. That's what inspired it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds <laughs> better both, than some. Some Elvis fans in a rest home, you know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we both know that's where it came from. So you know, I, I told you, I told you that's I bring on Amy Johnson right here, and she's right here to say say hello. Hey, Amy, say hello. Hello, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Oh, fantastic! You know, she's an excellent martial artist. Um, she's a wonderful swordsman, and. Uh, 
like I said, her father was a a a, a stylist of of your of your father's style. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that it would be brilliant to bring her on for for this kind of uh, monologue right here. Uh, you know, sure. I, I try to I try to listen to our our first interview uh, like nine years ago, and it was insufferable. I, I couldn't listen to our, to our, our interview for longer than eight minutes. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> but I guess that's what you do when you look back at, at, at interviews that, that are that long ago. You know what? It's a free flow, and you, just, you, know, you do your best to swim down the stream, and you know, that's all we can all do. Yeah. Did you have a good lunch, sir? Uh, you know what? I had a power peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it was delightful, and then dropped off some mail and got the local town gossip in our heads and then came back. <laughs> How's your wife doing? She's great. She's next to me, and she's leaving me with a smile on my face. She's wonderful. You know, and I appreciate that that uh, that painting you sent to me. It was, it was it was really sincere and really wonderful. You know, you you really are you really are one of those quintessential artists that that really think about the the uh, the little things and what have you. Because nobody would think about like their broken plane. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, well, it helps that, you know, you have an interview, we're talking stories and, and, and sometimes to give dimension to it, just add the visuals. Cause you know, I'm talking about a visual and then sending you the visual, then you go, Oh, okay. I get the story now. So, <laughs> so, so you, you grew up in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was uh Pasadena born and raised. Yeah, you're Pasadena born and raised, and you know, and your 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 father had a at a school in Altadena, I believe, or Pasadena, right? Pa- Pasadena, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that school. I, I drove it past quite a long time ago, several times. So, you know, you you told me earlier that when you were training when you were a kid, uh, you would train for a for a Coke, chocolate soda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's no other kids. I mean, I mean, technically speaking, you know, I was definitely one of the first karate kids in the United States. It was right. 99% men, 1% women, and 0% children. Right. And, and you know, because of the uh, uh, introduction of, of uh, martial arts in the movies through Bruce Lee and through that era, you know, it was like within a month or two that it changed from being, um, you know, a dominantly male um, group into it, it, today it's seventy uh, percent of the industry is boys and girls, right? And uh, right. so I was one of the first kids, and you know, I mean, I I've taught a, a tremendous amount of seminars to kids, and you know, I, I I'm like a little kid there going, man, I wish I was young and right. you know, hang out with these kids and have fun. And right. They're having fun, and their their lesson plans are fun because I. When I took lessons, it was more of a bitter moment for the guys that were there. It's like, oh, great, I got to teach the old man's kids, right? You know, and so, so, and they would, it would be more a torturous by making you do these drag steps for two hours, and you know, and you're going, can, can you, can you mix it up a little bit? Can we have some variety? <laughs> well, I would if you got it right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> make the seven year old a black belt at seven years old. Okay, I get right. it. Right. So, <laughs> was there ever a time where where they made it like you know like some teachers made it easy on you because of your father, like you know we're going to make None it easy did. on him. 
Really? No, oh, wow. They, they wanted to punish no, they you, had, weren't they? Well, no, it's, their egos were at stake. If I look bad, they look bad. Oh. So, so, and it was, from their perspective, I had to be better than, than them. I had to be better than my dad. And they were very, the way that I trained and about how I trained and, you know. And I'm so sorry. Numb. I'm so sorry to say that I, I probably would have done the same thing. I'm, I'm you know, really I sorry. Mean, nobody got a manual. On how to, uh, I said nobody got a manual on how to be a child instructor when there was no manual right. to go on. Right. So, and and most of these um, men, uh, you know, they they weren't really, you know, parents, and they and they didn't really have a relationship right. past the punching bag, and and. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame them, you know. It's like you know, you can't expect, you know, blood from a turnip, and you can't expect right. to, to have a, a knowledge on how to treat kids or how to maintain it. But um, no doubt, you know, I survived it, and I and I still have a sense of humor, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. What do you where do you where do you where do you go from there? I mean, you know, what, let me ask you a question: What did your father expect from you? Oh, my dad was way different than than the people that instructed me. He was really cool. I mean, I, I was great friends with him. Um, not growing up, I mean, everybody plays the you know the father the the parental role when they need to. Sure. And then when I got older, we had a, a more of a, 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 a friendship and bond on that level. But no, we grew up with a, another family called the Castro family from San Francisco, and um, the Castro family. Um, my, I know the my Castro dad, family. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, so they were like, um, my dad went to the Coast Guard with Castro, and so they were both involved in, in the in the armed services back in the Korean War, and they became good friends. And and um, you know, Ralph Castro had studied with uh, Professor Chow, my dad's instructor, and yeah. I, I know they yeah. shared uh, information between each other, but there was never a, a student teacher relationship there but but we we grew up where where their family and our family were inseparable you know we would go to the california karate championships in san francisco and then um during the summer we'd be at the international karate championships and so that was our social life it was like hang out with the castros but the right. um the castros had a different philosophy and that was you you know you're part of the family this is how you are this is what you do you take you take Kempo, you learn Kempo, you teach Kempo. That's what the kid's family does. And right. my dad was more like, um, you know what, if you like it, you know, you got to go up to the studio and, and see if it works for you. And if it, if, you're, if the instructor's not the right fit or if you, you're not getting it or if you're not accelerating it, take six months off and we'll try it again in six months. And so that's, right. that's the way we, we, we went about it. And right. I I didn't really like the whole – um, experience. Um, so I was one of those that you know. Okay, I put in my six months on. Let me take six months off. Right. And and I got to a point where where I didn't believe in martial arts because I, there was a lot of racial tension back when I was growing up. Right. And it, it was never it, it was never a one on one. I was in junior high school and my dad was doing some marketing for uh, the Pasadena Christ School, so he came to our junior high school. And he put on a demonstration 
Well, that was just the uh, that was the biggest challenge of that time period for me oh because God. I was walking down the hallway and some kids hit me in the back of the head with a book, and I learned you know a really valuable uh, self defense technique called tuck and roll. And right. I just tucked and I rolled, and I waited for the fifteen twenty guys to stop kicking me and beating on me. And, wow. And um. You know, it's one of those things you're going, okay, look, hallelujah. I'm glad there's this great little self-defense thing that if you could that if you could use it, you can defend yourself against two or three people. But 15 people, all you can do is just wait for them to get tired, you know? Sure. And, or or and just that, give up because was, they have nothing else to lose, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm built thick and I'm built strong. So, you know, all it did was, you know, just hurt your self-esteem and makes you feel like sure. garbage. But, you know, I didn't go to the hospital or anything like that. But I was stomped on. I was kicked on. I was bloody. But, you know, what do you do? You get up and you go home. And you're going, oh, I hate to tell Dad what happened because he's going to get mad at me. And he did. You know, right. well, why didn't you take more Kempo? And why didn't you do this? And 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 I think it forced me to go on my own path, which, which he encouraged me to do in my youth anyway. And right. then when I when I when I established that I was an artist to him first, um, and he, he never really acknowledged the art side. My mom was really, um, you know, she really liked to, uh, you know, feature that part about my life, and he never liked to acknowledge it. And then I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to draw him. I'm well, for the audience, for the audience that's listening right now that didn't listen to the other interview, you know, Ed Parker Jr. is a, a brilliant artist really a brilliant painter, a wonderful painter. So your, your, your mother really drew this point of view on you. She really wanted oh, yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at, at, at one point. And, and, and your I, father and your, your father and mother were kind of at odds with their mentality, with their philosophies, weren't they? Not, not necessarily. My, my mom played, played the role of, you know, she, she filled in the, the sides that, that he didn't do. She did his bookkeeping. She right. did editing of his books and stuff. They, sure. they, were a, a, they were a good team. I mean, they, my dad wasn't opposed to what she was doing, but I, I think he was too preoccupied with maintaining his career because he had like 12 different careers going. Uh, he right. was an event promoter. You know, mm-hmm. he did acting, he did choreography, he did. Right. Yeah, I mean, he juggled a lot of balls, and I and I think the problem is is that when you choose that kind of a lifestyle, something's got to give. And being being a full time father um, wasn't um, it, it wasn't uh, something he was able to focus on completely. So my mom kind of played both mom and dad role, and right. he provide he provided the, you know, the income and stuff. But I mean, he raised his family to be a support team. So all of us worked for the family business and we, we all pitched in and we all did what we could to, to, uh, you know, support dad. But uh, he was a loving dad and he was fun and he was extremely intelligent, extremely um, um, talented. And, and you right. know, he, he commanded people to want to support him, want to <laughs> He drew some very successful people into his direction as well. Right time, right place, you know. Right. He was he was there at the right time, there at the right place. He hmm. he had a lot of people that were. Uh, I mean, you know, he, all he was doing was you know trying to make a living. He he was up in college. Right. He comes down, comes down to L.A. Starts teaching at a health club in Beverly Hills. The, the the owner of the Beverly Hills Health Club 
you know, he, he knew a lot of the, the celebrities of the time and would introduce my dad to them. And it's through that that he got introduced to, you know, the the early era of, of Hollywood, you know. Right. The uh, the Cecil B. DeMille era. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the the uh, Elvis Presleys of the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, di- it was a different time, different era, different group of people, different mentality. And, Very and, different um, era, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very different and and very um very unique. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a time that I I you know, they call it the golden era and and there was a reason why it was, you know. It was, right. It, it was a very small ship at the time. Nowadays, um, you know, there's a lot of competition and a lot of people out there and right. And uh But, you know, good thing we have yeah. memories and we can go down memory lane and dig it up. <laughs> Hey Amy, do you Amy, do you have any questions right now? Amy? Yeah, I was just pleasantly listening to the conversation. It's a great conversation. I, yeah, Ed, I was really curious. I just hearing the stories and knowing a little bit about you and your father. How did you deal with the pressure of growing up with, you know, having a father like that and dealing with these things? Did you ever resent your father for that kind of pressure and how did you maintain it and how do you still maintain that today? It seems like a lot from my point uh, of view. Excellent question. I, I don't. It's kind of strange when you live that kind of life. You don't know another life, so you just navigate right. it through mm-hmm. the best you can because that's what your life has been dealt. And um, I, I was bothered by some of it at times, and, and other times I wasn't. You know, there's you know there's there's bittersweet in everything in life. And I, I remember we had uh, our karate tournament in Long Beach. And I was young, and and all I cared about was playing. I, you know, you run up and down the, uh, the the Long Beach Arena a million times, go up go up the wrong direction of the escalators, you know, all the all the goofy, stupid things kids do. But you know, I was like seven or eight, and right. mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot of kid stuff going on, so all we did was play. And I remember one time I came to the back of the, the arena, and um, there was all these trophies there, and they had a couple of black belts there, and they're all like, hey. Stop, kid! You're not supposed to be there. And then all of a sudden, one of them recognized who I was. It's like, oh, that's Mr. Parker's kid, you know. And they started bowing to me. I was—I didn't like it. I was angry. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, great! I'm just a normal kid until this moment. Thanks a lot. I—I yeah. I was bothered by it. I didn't like right. how all of a sudden the demeanor and everything changed. These guys were being you, your typical bouncer kind of mentality of. No, you know, no one gets past this barrier. And then as soon as they saw that I was, you know, Ed Parker's son, they acted completely different. And, and it and it threw off my psyche because I was like, well, thank you. Now you've made me not a kid. Right. Now you've made right. me something different. Right. And um, it, it was difficult because in the Kempo community, it, it's, I wish I could, I, I wish I could explain what a martial arts community is to a non-martial arts world. It's not a religion. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's more than a business. It's it's so many things and so many things. It's not you can't relate it to anything else. And as a result, it's it's a very difficult thing because me growing up, everybody adopted my dad as their dad, and he had only one son, but I had a thousand brothers, and it was very <laughs> difficult because everybody competed with who was the closest to my dad, mm-hmm. and. That was a very 
unusual thing to deal with. But, you know, when the doors were shut and everything else, I knew how he really felt. You know, I mean, we're, you know, we lived in an honest family, and my dad was very straight up. And so he was polite, and he had a persona to maintain who Ed Parker was. But Ed Parker was Edmund Parker when the doors shut. You know, we right. all are two different people. We are our persona. We are who we are when the doors are shut. And when you live in that kind of a family, you know who the real person is. And Ed Parker was a persona, you know. And yeah. I, I saw I saw how he was. You know, people would come over and they'd bow to him and they'd make a big to-do out of him. And there was always some kind of hoopla and whatever. And they'd knock on the door and they'd say, oh, you know, great grandmaster, thank you so much. It's such an honor. And, blah, 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 blah. and I'm going, I think this is the only time these people are polite is in this given right. moment. I think you you're know, right. But, you know, there they are. Oh, kiss the ground. and Oh, it's such an honor. It's such a respectful thing. And my right. dad, he's sitting there oh in gosh. his Aloha shirt, and the, the the buttons were mismatched, and his hair was all over the place, and he's all, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> and, and, you know, I saw the reality of it, you know, and they didn't see that his hair was messed up or his buttons were mismatching. <laughs> they didn't see that it was up all night <laughs> writing a book. And, and, and all they saw was this, this grand master. And they would say things during the class where it's like, oh, Mr. Parker, tell me the secrets. And then he'd just throw out a couple of concepts where people would draw on their own conclusions. And they go, well, do you mean this, Mr. Parker? And he goes, you're a smart guy. And, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we, we know the secrets now. And, you know, then they would finish their lesson. The door would open. I would be waiting because I worked for my dad. And so I'd be waiting sure. for this this interruption to go away so we can get back to work. So they would leave. I shut the door and, and they're like, Oh my gosh, Miss Parker, thanks for the secrets. Thanks for all that. This is great. <laughs> and then the door would shut and I wow. go, dad, you just made that up. He goes, Shh, they don't know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know? And so I got, I got, um, lessons from a real person, you know, right. He mm-hmm. taught me how to be, you know, to maintain my person of uh, my persona. And I think that when you create a persona, you protect yourself because, you know, yeah. professionally I'm known as Ed Parker Jr. And if people have a problem with Ed Parker Jr., that's fine with me because I'm not Ed Parker Jr. That's my persona. Right. You so know, sir, I, I, I know what, it, I know what it feels like to, to have a public persona as a grandmaster and, and to, to hide and, and to be, the, the person behind that and what have you, you how does it, how does it feel like as a child of that person to see that person do do you see a duality do you see them as phony uh, you know no. Wh- no, what do you no, see you what see, do you see it as it's no different than clothing you know it's like you put right. on clothing i mean the thing is is that the persona is what you decide to dress up as like for right. instance you know, your persona is going to be all thrown off if you wear a swimsuit to court. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The persona doesn't fit the moment. So you, you literally have to create a circumstance where it's a matter of survival. It's a matter of you need to play the part, dress the part, act the part to navigate through that. And, and there's a business there, too. You know, there's a business. And, and we, we, we pretend there's no business in martial arts. Well, you know what? No, there's a business. 
there's a business there. And yep. in a business, you have to be a professional. You have to present yourself as a That's professional. Right. You know, if you start swearing on the mat, you start losing business and you start That's changing right. to, you know, mm-hmm. changing to saying, look, I can't swear on the mat, but I can swear at home. You know, and, and you know, just culturally, we have to be responsible by that. And yeah. I think that, like it or not, what, you know, right, left, up, down, whatever, it doesn't matter. We, we, Make adjustments to 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 survive our 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 um, industry. You know whatever the right. industry is. I mean, you know, I mean, Hollywood. Come on, you know we have to act like we're a better actor than we are. You know we sure. have to we have to you know because we're in competition. We're we're selling ourselves. We're, we're you know one role that we fit, and we have X amount of people that are out there who are competing for the same role. But you got to throw out your best persona. You got to throw out your your best talent, you gotta you gotta sell yourself in that given moment, whether you believe it or not. You know? That's you have to That's your- very, very true. Yeah. As a as an actress, I'm constantly, you know, nervous to go to meetings and meet people that I'm inspired by or whatever, but they don't need to know that. They just need to know that I'm confident in what I can do. Um and, and that I can get along with them. But I if I were to tell them how I was really feeling in the moment, they would be so nervous and never wanna put money into me or give me anything, you know? So right. I absolutely agree with that. That's the survival technique of the yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, that's, we all have to um, navigate through our, you know, through our careers and through our industry. And, and, you know, we have to, you know, we have to, we have to perform our profession no matter how we feel, you know, we right. could be nervous. We can be, you know, we could be insecure, but you know, that moment is irrelevant, you know? You, you, so you have to create a persona. In fact, that's right. how I survived my, my life. You you create two separate people. And, I mean, you know what is the glass empty, half, half empty, half full? You know, sure. you're a phony, or 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 you're confident in your you know in your the role you play, you know, and and I I just more of a realist. I you know I I think people more relate to things when you can just be honest and straight up about it instead of yeah. pretending to be something you're not. You know, sir, yeah. I, I, I remember years ago talking to a friend of mine from from high school and him sending me a message saying, like, I'd love to see you again, but I understand the persona that you need to, like, you know. And I was I was kind of insulted by that because, you know, it, it, it made the um, referendum that somehow I was faking who I was in order to keep my job, that I was being a mm-hmm. phony in order to be who I was, in order to be, to be the grandmaster and what have you, and that's that's that that was not the way it was. And, and you just pretty much clarified I, it right there. Go ahead. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. The weird thing is, is that there, there are two sides. There's the one that where you take the responsibility of the teacher, right. and, and they take the responsibility of the student. But right. but but. Because the martial arts industry is unique to under any other industry, it's all by itself. It's in a league of its own. And right. because it is, it, it also has been fed the, the, the Hollywood version, you know, right. where the right. grandmaster, you know, is Pai Mei and he's living in some <laughs> temple in China. Pai Mei from, 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 from uh, by the Kill way, Pai Mei, for the audience who doesn't know, Pai Mei is actually in Canada right now. So Pai Mei yeah. is a very popular grandmaster. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, we, we have this, we have this, um, 
understand. I mean, I, I've, I've been in the middle of this because, you know, you, you live your life normally and you pop up, you right. go to a function, you go to some event. And then, you, sure. you, yeah, I come back and I talk to my wife and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. She goes, well, what happened? <laughs> I said, I said, I was at the Dragon Fest in Hollywood, right? And she right. was there with me, but, you know, she's she's all like, what, what's what's wrong, Ed? She's all like, your face is all white as a ghost and your eyes are as big as saucers. I'm like, I'm yeah. so embarrassed. And she's all like, what happened? I said, I went to the bathroom, right? You know, typical Norman function that everybody has to do. But you, caught, you get caught up in too many conversations. You have to pee so bad that you, you think you're going to die or you're going to pee in your pants. And you're like, come on, stop talking. i got to go to the bathroom. So I'm running in there to go to the bathroom. And, and I'm, I'm in there. And all of a sudden, there's this guy. He, he was like um, it, 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 he was like six foot five, might have been 350 pounds, all muscle, all muscle. Yeah, right? yeah had it all over the place, bald head, and he's on his knees, and he's bowing to me. Right. He's always, I can't believe it's you, sir. I can't believe it's you. And he's bowing, and he's bowing. I'm like, seriously, dude, get up. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> Men don't do this Just in get the up, bathroom. Dude. Okay, we don't yeah, do this. Get up, we dude. don't do this. Wait till I get out of the bathroom, give me a fist bump, you know, shake my hand, ask for a story, take a photograph, whatever. Right. Cool with that. That's why you come out. You come right. out and prepared for that. But I'm not, I'm not a god. Get, Come on. Yeah, I'm, I, it's embarrassing. It's it's like seriously, dude, get up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're you're embarrassing both of us. Right, you, know? you are. On, you are. You're embarrassing and, and, the arts. It, it's and it happened all the time. I mean, there's 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 a group of guys that were raised, you know, in their in their dojo that you never call um, you know, somebody of 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 you know, higher rank or status in the arts by anything but sir, you know, right, Mister and sir, and that's I so call, I, I call I call you sir as well. I call you sir all the time. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like, it's like you know, I'm not going to take away your belief system, but I'm not going to yeah. buy into it myself. Yeah, sure. To me, it's like sure. It's like no, nah, no, nah, Mister was my dad. Well, you're old. Me. You're older than me. You are my senior. I will call you sir. That's just the way it works. Yeah, yeah and I don't I don't just sing their etiquette. You know, that's their right. etiquette, and that's fine. But yeah. in my head, I'm going, oh, please, cut it out. You know, but <laughs> it is what it is, right? But, oh, I'm but, not going to bow well, to you in the bathroom. Trust me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So, so you know, wow. we're out, to, we're out at, at dinner, and we're, and we're eating pizza, and we're playing, I don't know, like those little video games on the site, Pac-Man at, at the pizza parlor type thing. And we're playing it. They're all like, oh, great, great move, Mr. Parker. And I'm like, can, can you call me Ed? No, no, I can't do that, sir. I know, but we're playing. We're, I'm not on a mat. I, I, I'm not correcting you on a mat, but we're guys at a pizza parlor, right? right. Playing Pac-Man, right? My persona is gone right now. I'm a little kid playing Pac-Man with a bunch of guys, right? Choking down pizza. Can you call me Ed? Can't do that, sir. Hey, I order you to stop calling me, sir. Right? Pissing me off. And I'm right. feeling uncomfortable, and I wanted no, I to die you're for from. five freaking yeah. minutes. And yeah. they couldn't do it, you know. And so, yeah. You know, it, it, you learn. You learn that it's like, okay, look, that's just the way you're raised, and I'm not going to disrespect your belief system. But yeah. for one brief moment, I just wanted to be Ed. And so, yeah, there are times when you just go, you know, it makes you alone. It does, because you, you don't want to be exalted. You don't want to be um, – you know, to me, it's kind of like, look, uh, I'm friends with a lot of people that are real high positions. 
um, doctors and judges and stuff like right. that. But I don't give a I don't give a, a you know a hell of beans for their title. It's their title. If if right. I'm in their environment, I'll respect their title. If we're not, what did the what did Socrates said? Yes. You know the lawyers. Yeah, he, he interviewed the lawyers and the doctors. This is one thing I, I love having your wife know. right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <My> encyclopedia. <laughs> That's brilliant, man. You know, you know, I, you know. If I can tell you uh, something, something private, something personal. You know, you know, when I when I became a grandmaster, I was given the option to give to, to just be, you know, Grandmaster Steve, or to go on the full fledged. And I, I, I said I want to be Grandmaster Grandmaster Pisa, and that's what I went under. And after a while, I like three months later, I swear on my soul. I started to forget what my first name was and it started to become so annoying and so um, became a betrayal of everything that I trained that I asked everybody just to change it, just change it. I don't want this. I don't want that. Please change it. I understand where you're coming from. It's really weird, man. It's very, it's really, it's kind of a betrayal against the ego the ego really does not allow it to happen or overcomes it in a certain way that, um, you know, makes you either good or bad really fast. You know, it's interesting. The very first seminar I ever did after my dad died, I was asked to go out there and teach seminars and I was in Florida. Yeah. And, and the very first thing I did is like, I'm, I'm tired of people just go out there and tell everybody how to punch and kick, you know, it's like, all right, right. we're going to do reverse punches. They start barking out that stuff, and I'm going, look, sure. I'm a guest instructor. I'm not your instructor. I'm not going to tell you how to do the basics. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to teach you the seasoning. And my job is to be the chili pepper or the salt and pepper or the condiments of, of martial arts. I'm here to sprinkle ideas in your head, open your mind to different types of training, and also put things in, in different perspectives so that when I leave, you know, I planted seeds of thought, so then I walk away, they grow. You know, that was what was important to me to, to be responsible for when I taught. And the very first thing I taught my very first class was I asked the question, does anybody in this room know who they are? Well, I don't get the question, sir. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, say what I mean. I mean when I say, do you know who you are? Well, yeah, my name's Bob. I said, no, that's your name. I said, if you don't know who you are, then you don't know who you're, you, you don't know who you're defending. And I think it's important that you know who you are. My my father had a um, a motto in in our in our trainings that that um, it was a a creed, and and our creed you know would, would go over you know um, I've said it a million times and right now it's like blank screen, but right it, 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 in this <laughs> motto it, it you know it talks about you know what you would defend yourself over you know um, and and. You know, it, it literally is, is, who do you defend yourself as? It's not you, you, your name and your title is not who you are. Because I would tell people, I said, okay, if I remove the name Bob, would you cease to exist? Well, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, wh- what do you do for a living, Bob? Well, I'm a doctor. Okay. And if, I, and if I take away your title of doctor, do you cease to exist? Well, no. So then you're something more than just your title or your name, right? To me, mm-hmm. in a self-defense context, Right. You are who you're willing to defend. That's right. 
You're right. And, and that's who, that's really who you are. Cause I mean, if you don't know who you're defending, then why do you call it self-defense? You know? So, it, it, so my point being is, is like, like if you're a plumber and, and, and somebody in, in some, you know, restaurant screams out, I hate all the plumbers of America. Do you really need to get up and defend the honors of all plumbers? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need to do right. that. You don't so, need to so do that. It. Yeah, so it's it's really what defines you is your principles and your honor. What what are your principles and what do you honor? You know, as a father, right. I honor my, my fatherhood. I honor my wife. I honor my children, my grandchildren. And I'm willing to defend that, you know, but I'm not willing to see, you know, somebody has a problem with artists. I hate illustrators. You guys suck. Okay. Mm. Right. <laughs> Sorry you feel that way, but not really. <laughs> That's on you, <laughs> not me. You know, so so it, it depends on what you choose to, to stand up for. It depends on what you right. choose to defend. And, right. and to me, it all comes down to principles and honor. Do you have a definition for you, for the principles you have? Do you have a right. definition for what you are? And that right. is who you are. You know, not what your name is, not what your title is. And so that was the very first thing I did. And, and I, man, maybe 10 years I used that as my intro. And it was really sure. funny because I, I, I went to this one college group up in Pennsylvania. Boy, do they get a pen out of shape. What do you mean? I don't know who I am. <laughs> it's a it's a metaphor. It's it's a teaching Right. Well, I'm really teaching, offended. It's a teaching tool. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay, really well, I'm glad you're offended. Well, I really have a beef with you. Okay, well, that's fine. Would you like a refund? <laughs> I don't know what you want. But, but they made the whole seminar spoiled for themselves because they had a problem with me asking, you know, I said, well, you don't know who you are, you know. Well, my name is, is you know, Laquisha, and I, that's my name. I know, but never mind. Never mind. Right. <laughs> Right, and then I stopped teaching that one because it's like you go, okay, look, I'm I'm starting to walk waltz it's into not worth an area. It. Yeah, you start waltzing into an area where you're going, okay, let's go back to kicking and punching. Yeah, <laughs> they're not getting this. Hey, hey, Amy, do you do you have a question? I do. Yeah, uh, listening to you guys speak about titles and such, I was curious. Um, from both of you, I'd love your perspective on what it means to you to be a grandmaster and what it initially meant. Um, and what it means now, um, how much kind of weight you hold in that, because I understand how much weight other people hold in and how much weight I hold, you know, looking up to somebody as a grandmaster. So for the both of you, um, what are your kind of thoughts on that title for you? What does it mean personally? And let's turn the microphone to, to Grandmaster Pisa there. Let's let's go to you. Oh my God! Thanks a lot. <laughs> just just throw just throw me under the bus, huh? You know, you know, it, when it, when it first was coming to me, it, it meant a great deal. It, it meant the conclusion or almost the the ending tier of something I fought so hard for my entire life. It was nothing for me was easy with my master. He na- me, never made anything easy for me. So to fight for Grandmaster was such a difficult thing, and to get it meant so much for me. And when I got it, it meant it didn't mean anything. Hmm. It didn't mean anything to me. Um, do I do I like the title? Sure. Does it mean anything to me? No. I mean, I still need to train. I still need to do my things. Everything's just, everything is exactly the same. Uh, 
Um, but, you know, if you were going to talk about the beginning, I thought extreme. I, I mean, it's like, you know, fighting to get through that door. And when you get to the door, you're like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, I, I feel the same exact way where, I, you know, I fought to be grandmaster and now I'm grandmaster and what's next? I, I have to just keep on fighting and just keep on training, keep on being and keep on, you know, listening to people like Ed Park Jr. And just, you know, keep on being inspired, keep on listening, keep on being, um, keep on training until I'm dead. Um, because you know, he right. and, and I what discussed. Is it that, like, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just curious, what what is it that keeps you moving forward? What is that energy? Where is that coming from, and why? Like, what is it that you keeps know, you moving beyond? He and I talked about this earlier. Was was perfection, which is which is not possible, but you always seek it. You always seek perfection, and, and I'll never find it. I know I'll never find it. You know, I, I, you know, I think I'm going to find it is on my deathbed. I think I'm going to find perfection on my deathbed. Uh, when I'm about to die, I think I'll be like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, but it, oh. it's, it's seeking perfection. It's seeking something else. And you know what? Talking to people like you and watching you train and watching you and being inspired by people like you who are young in the arts, who are doing the best they can, who are brilliant at what they do. That's what, it, that's what makes me feel like I'm glad I'm a grandmaster because now I can share knowledge that I've had before with a person who may not need it, but actually needs it. You know, it, you know it, 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 does that make sense? Oh, I'm well actually said, fascinated yeah. by this. Sir? I'm actually fascinated by this conversation because I have a completely different perspective here. He's got a because different, was, completely different. He's got a completely, a completely different perspective. Completely different perspective, and, <laughs> and it's because of it's because I was born in it. I didn't right. choose it. You chose it. Yes, I did. When when you born into it, you don't have the same perspective as as you know. I I you know if if you if you're to call me a grandmaster of art, I earned it great i don't you know you don't have those titles in art so you know i, I don't walk around saying yeah i'm a grand master of art <laughs> i don't i don't have that <laughs> but but in in martial arts um you, you know a lot of people refer to me in those titles I, I, to me it's like well thank you for your opinion i believe that i i earned that level within your opinion i don't share it i don't go by that title and i and and to me, it's not a title. What it is, it's a um, it's a word that you define that you can embrace or not embrace, and and depends on how you define the word. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, the question is asked: Will Mr. Parker, will you think a, a master is? And personally, to me, let let me take it into an artistic form. If I mastered the basics of art. I know I know my art palette well. I, I don't think about what colors need to be mixed so that I can get the, the color. I don't think about what brush I should use. I don't think about any of it. What I do is I envision something, and then I paint my vision, and I'm not worried about my basics. I'm not thinking about it. To me, a master is a person who never thinks about the basics, ever. It's never a, it's never a thought. 
because you've already mastered something, so that is no longer the element that is of your concern. If you're not a master, you're still floundering around trying to figure out your color palette. Or in, in martial arts, you're trying to figure out, you know, the effectiveness of the punch or, the, the you know, the, the depth of penetration or the cause and effect on different bodies and stuff. I mean, when you're a grandmaster in that context, you've, you've, you've touched 1,000 bodies, 10,000 bodies. You know what it's like to get hit. You know what it's like to, to hit back. You understand what the cause and effect of your strikes are. You, you know the efficiency, the effectiveness of it is. And it allows you to be in a position of free flow. You can come up with anything you want. You can create any direction you want. You can sail anywhere you want. You're, you're on your own ship. You can go chart your own course. And I think that's what a grandmaster is, the one that can go anywhere, do anything, and, and, and do whatever they want. It doesn't mean they have a knowledge of it, but it means they have a perfect understanding of their basics and they can navigate through it. They can envision it and create it. They can envision it and create it. And so from my, from my perspective, and, you know, just my perspective, it's just the way I look at it, I, I, just, I, I look at it that way. But some of the people I've admired in martial arts, there's a, a, um, uh, an instructor of mine over the years, Steve Labounty, love this man. Just a, a, an incredible man. And he earned his right to be considered one of the 10th degrees of Kempo. And you know what he does? He signs his emails uh a perpetual student of Kempo. Hmm. He's, he's a grandmaster. There's no offense or buts. From my perspective, looking at him, all the definition of what I think a grandmaster should be, he's front row center seat, a grandmaster. But he considers himself a perpetual student. And that's it. And to me, you know, that's the thing I loved about my dad. My dad was, he always, was always in a constant state of wonderment and discovery. You know, when people wanted to know answers, he had all the answers, but he didn't. He just had – it was kind of interesting the way that he would answer people because he would answer them based upon the tone of the question, not just the question, but the tone of the question. He would know basically, what are you really asking? Are you asking for validation or you really want to know? And so he would either impart wisdom on them or he'd teach them a lesson or he'd teach them how to do something or he'd teach them how they would get a result of something. So he would constantly change things, you know, um, he would constantly change things according to the individual that was there. And I always admired that because it was never a canned answer. You know, people would try to do things to my dad, too. They'd say, uh, Mr. Parker, uh, why don't you show me how to do five swords? And then he'd go, well, you tell me how to do five. You show me how you do five swords. And so they do <laughs> five swords. And then what he would do is he'd say, well, if you're going to do five swords that way, let me make some suggestions so that you become more effective and efficient in the way you do it. And then what <laughs> would happen after he did that, the students would say, Mr. Parker, tell me this is the only way it's supposed to be done. I'm like, that's not what he said. But, you know, like in my, my first interview, people live a, a life of righteousness. They want to be right. They want to be validated. And I found more people came to my dad not for wisdom but for validation. Please tell right. me that my five years of teaching or training or whatever isn't wrong. Please tell me I'm okay. But God forbid you should teach me I'm wrong. Amy, do you have any other questions? Um, I could ask questions all day. Let's... <laughs> Why don't you go well, ahead? But, actually, but this I, time, I, don't aim it I'm... at me first, huh? Oh. In other words, Ed, don't, don't throw you in the bus. 
<laughs> yeah, because Aww. I felt I felt thrown I'm... under the bus right there. I'll be honest with you. Let's oh, just keep on going. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I did felt thrown under the bus, right? But go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my god. No, I, I was the guy um, who threw him under the bus, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I brought I I created the whole scenario. Okay, new question. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So, Ed, I'm really curious. I'm sure you get this question a lot. So, my dad trained under uh, Bill Packer for Kempo, and so I'd love to know if you knew Bill Packer or um, if there was a strong connection there. I believe Bill trained under your father. Uh, he did during a time when I was too small to remember the interaction. That was, okay. that was back in the that was back in the '60s. So, yeah, the okay, Bill Packer okay. era. Yeah. So, so, Packer was, so how was out of Arizona, Sorry, wasn't he? Or wasn't he yeah. out of Arizona? Uh, he was. Yeah. He was in Albuquerque. Uh, oh, he okay, opened okay. His school, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I I know now. Yeah. I've met a lot of offspring from Bill Packer. Um, he's definitely produced some a great lineage, definitely. Okay. But I. Um, how I do you think? Okay. Uh, how do you think Kempo has evolved? To this day, because my dad uh, worked with a style called the Progressive System under Sensei Bueno, and that was kind of a blend of a lot of different styles together. And so, coming from like the purest point of of Kempo, how do you see it now as it's evolved to different ways for better or worse? Uh, good question. I think they both exist. I think the glass is half empty, half full. I mean, there's things I like and there's things I don't like, but but. Um, I, I think it depends on person's goal and what they're what the end result they're after. You know, some people, like I said, they they just care about the validation. I, I've been at tests where people are lined up around the block to get their next rank, but they've done nothing to do it. You know, we used to have these mm-hmm. functions where where you know there was a black belt test and the room was just choked full of people. There's just guys all over the place ready for their next rank, and then the question came up: Well, what have you done? Well, I put my years in. I know, but what have you done? Well, you know, there's a there's you know three year gap between ranks, and it's been three years, so I'm ready for my next rank. I know, but what have you done? So people automatically assume that they need to collect their next rank and stuff like that. And I don't know. It reminds me of my dad. He had a he had a um, a story he used to talk about about there's this kid who who had a father who was an Olympic. Um, swimming coach and the father who had the son, the son said, you know, dad, I, I, I want to, I want to be a champion swimmer. He goes, well, son, you're going to have to practice. Well, I don't want to practice. I don't want to do this, but you give out certificates saying that you're an Olympic champion. So I want a certificate from my dad saying I'm an Olympic, I'm an Olympic certificate, uh, you know, Olympic swimmer. I want a certificate like that. So the father goes, okay, I'll give you a certificate. So he gives the son a certificate, and then not long after that, they go on a, on a cruise on a ship. And lo and behold, the ship, you know, takes on water, starts sinking, and eventually it, it goes on the water, and the father and son are left alone in the water. And the son's starting to drown. And, and, the, and the son says, what do I do, Dad? And the father says, show the water your certificate. <laughs> And that's yeah, that's how I feel sometimes. People want to collect yeah. certificates. They want their bling. They want their whatever. And and you know that's great. But there's a lot of people out there that do that. And in yeah. Kempo, there's, there's there's some people that are in Kempo that are about mimicking. 
And to me, mimic is not far from mocking. And hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't, even in the art community, I mean, you know, people copy other artists. You know, they, they don't have a style of their own, so they mimic somebody else's style. Uh, actors, they go out there and they don't have to have their own style of acting, so they mimic somebody else's style and acting. And you can't change it. There's always going to be two different people, those who mimic and those who are, those are innovate. And mm-hmm. I, I applaud the innovators. I, the, I love the ones that, that think beyond the box, that say, okay, look, I, I've mimicked for a number of years, and now it's time to stand on my own, on my own innovations, on my own discoveries, and, and move forward. Um, I, I've heard there's like, I don't know, 150 uh, 200 uh, 10th grade black belts since my dad died in his system, and they're you know he died 30 years ago, and there's 200 wow. 10th grade grandmasters, and to me it's wow. kind of like that 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 is great, you know. But what'd you do? Did you mimic? Right, exactly. Or, or, or were you innovative? Or did you create them? No, no, I don't believe that. That even my let me let me pull that one back. I. I when you look at innovation, you have to be there's a there's less than one percent that gets that, right? And and they they stand tall and they create in their own path and their own direction. And I applaud that, you know. But but the thing is, is that you know, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's like people sing a song in a bar. How great I am. How great I am. <laughs> Nobody knows how great, how I, great am. I am. How great I am. You know, so I'll show my sister again and my big belt with all the colorful stripes on it so they will know how great I am. And, and okay, whatever, dude. I, I, you know, right. to me, it's like be a man of action, not a man of bling. You know? It, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Martial arts bling is, is kind of nauseating for me, and I, I, you know, I, it depends on the culture too. I was in I was in South America, and I was in a room where bling was a very big deal to them, and everybody was Brazil? lining up. Or where, where was that? Uh, Venezuela. I was in Venezuela. Venezuela, that was, old Venezuela. Was, yeah, might have been Chile. I can't remember. Okay. My old age is catching up with me, but anyway, I'm down in, in um, I'm down in I'm down in one of the Latin countries, and you know, there's a machismo thing in that culture. And, sure. You know, there's this grandioso thing. I am not just a, a master, but I am senior grandmaster supreme. You know, and you're going, okay, great. You know, so you're senior grandmaster supreme. You know, and 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 then the other guys. Well, I am super senior grandmaster supreme. You know, and they're always trying to mm-hmm. hot dog each other, and and it, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, because I'm super senior, I should stand in the line before you, and and they're all fighting for position. I walk in the room and I'm so different than what people are used to. I go, all right, first thing, everybody take off your belt. What? I said, take off your belt. In my class, you're nothing. You know, because right. you've never learned my material. So guess what? We're at zero. So everybody zero out. Come on. Off go the belt. Man, it was like the most uncomfortable thing in that room to, to neutralize everybody because, you know, really? I'm like. So, so like, they, had a, they had a problem letting go of their ego. Oh, a huge problem. And I loved it, you know, because the well, thing is, okay. you still paid for my seminar. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, right. You, you chose to be my student in this moment. And I'm trying to teach you something, and I'm trying to teach you humility. I'm trying to teach you that you don't know everything. 
I'm trying to teach you that somebody might know something you don't. That's right. You know, and so even a white I, even a white belt can knock out a black belt. We both know that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so the thing is, is that I, I had to neutralize the room because right. it, my dad would do this too. He would walk into a room and all his senior black belts would line up in uh-huh. a row and they all fight for position. And it's like I'm the top of the pecking order and everything else. And he goes, great. Then he walked right to the back of the room and said, turn around, and then he'd teach. Right. That's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he'd do that. And I, I kind of learned these things from him. I have my own style of doing it. But, sure. But, you know, I learned from him because I liked what he taught me. I liked where he was at with it. He's all like, you know, these damn guys are out there and they're all fighting for position, and it's, it's just a He-Man contest, you know, and I'm sick of it. You know, I'm there to right. teach. Are you there to learn? Right. Are you there to sit there and be validated? If you were talk about that. <laughs> That's true. Everybody wanted to be validated. That's you know, true. I'm great, you know. And yeah. you know, to me, I was like, "What are you? What are you there for? Are, are you there to be an innovator? Are you there to learn? Are you there to participate?" And it's kind of funny because when you're when you're in, I, I don't know. There's a there's a part of the 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 there's a there's a a separate kind of. You know, when you're in the seminar circuit, you, 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 you get to talk with all the other guys doing seminars, and you get to find out how they see things. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I always um, – a good friend of mine, his name is Martin Wheeler, and he was a, a Kempo oh, pilot. Oh, great. Martin Wheeler. Wheeler, yeah. Yeah, and then, he, and then he, 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 he got introduced to Sistema, and then he became, you know, this yeah. phenomenal Sistema guy. and I, yeah, Just a phenomenal friend. of. We were just really, really close. And, great guy. And it was kind of – yeah, he's a great guy. And it was kind of funny because, you know, there's a lot of kind of like, you know, if we're all teaching seminars, you know, after the doors are closed, we're joking about things and we're talking about, you know, personality types in the room and everything else. And he used to give a personality type to to people in the room, which was, uh, he called him Captain Correcto. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's always a Captain Correcto in the room. And, and yeah. the guy that takes the seminar, but he never really takes your seminar. What right. he does, he's in your seminar, you teach a lesson, and they don't want to look stupid. So what they do is they start walking in around the room and start correcting everybody. Right. Well, Parker means this, and like, here, let me move your foot, and let me do this. And, and I, I'm just I'm laughing because I'm going, dude, it's so obvious. Yeah. You don't want to be embarrassed because you don't want to look like you don't know the material. So what you do is you act. You, you know, everybody needs a captain corrector. I I, 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 th- I think any beginner teacher. I'll be honest with you. I think any beginner teacher. I think a lot of beginner teachers. I've gone through that experience, where they're like captain correcto, where they feel like they need their <laughs> ego <laughs> really does expand by how much they can correct the student. And it's you know if you have a great mentor, it's usually smashed in half by by them going like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I, 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 you know, I can be a really nice guy and I can be a jerk at sometimes because I was teaching a seminar and I had a captain correct right. pop up, and then right. all of a sudden, you know, I would teach stuff and he wouldn't do a thing I did, not one right. single move. Right. And he goes, "Well, I prefer doing it this way." Right. And I, right. I, I stopped the whole class. I sat everybody down and I said, "Can you show me what you're doing?" Yeah, sure. Right. I was trying to do a mini seminar in my seminar, and I said, right. "Did you did you pay for my seminar?" Yes, sir, Mr. Mark. How much you pay? I paid fifty dollars. 
okay, you paid $50 to come to my seminar to teach it your way. Right. I said, you know, dude, anytime you want to do it your way, you can do it at home for free. But anytime you want to come to my please. seminar, pay me 50 bucks to do it your way. Please yes. attend every seminar I've got. I said, dude, yes, that's <laughs> Let me share you my experience, please, sir. You know, I, I was sure. my, my grandmaster was having a Tai Chi uh, seminar and uh, this, there was a new guy involved and he had taken Tai Chi before. And he said, why don't you go train, train this guy? Now, I was the most experienced person teaching this guy. I was teaching Tai Chi for many years. It's like, please, please teach this guy. I'm like, okay. I kept my mouth shut. And the entire time he kept on correcting me. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. You're doing it wrong. We're doing it this way. That's wrong. And I just kept my mouth shut. And I, I did what he wanted to do. And I kept on doing what he wanted to do. And at the end of the conference, he found out that I was the grandmaster's right-hand man. And he felt, he felt stupid. And my grandmaster looked at him and he goes, well, if you want to do it your way, then you should do it your own way. You should go home and do it your own way. You shouldn't, you shouldn't ask for instruction, you know? And that's how I, you know, I, I, I kind of looked at it like, I, I don't understand why anybody trains a style with anybody who just kind of has their own thought patterns, who has their own kind of agenda attached. It just didn't make any sense. I, I've had a great journey in martial arts because a lot of times I'd be an instructor at a camp where there's many other instructors in the room. And a lot of right. times it wasn't, you know, a room full of Kempoists. It would be a room of, you know, Kali uh, practitioners. And uh, there was sure. a, a couple of Sistema guys there and stuff like that. And I was just yeah. one of the instructors of, of maybe 10. And one of the things that I always found great is that, you know, being in the position I was in, I didn't have to pay for the seminar because I was in the seminar. So I could take everybody's class and not pay them for it, but I could, I could learn from that. <laughs> and it was, right. it was fascinating that, that the 10 instructors, none of them learned from each other. None of them. They never took each other's class. It was just like, come out there, do their shtick, leave. I stayed the whole time and took everybody's class. And, and to me, it was like, woohoo, man, I'm learning. I get, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I, I am what I am within my, within my flavor. Past that flavor, right. I'm just, I'm just a student, and I, that's what I cared to be. I was there in a, in a, um, I took a, a class for Vladimir Vasilyev. We're in Orlando, and we we're teaching. He was teaching Sistema. Sure. And I was having so. a great time because yeah. I was out there like going, look, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm digging it, and I want to learn, and you know. It's not the way I problem solve, but I want to know how somebody else problem solves. I want to know what kind of dilemma they, they imagine and how they can solve it. And right. we're taking the class. And to me, I, I don't believe in half measures, all the way or not. Participate all the way or not. Don't, right. you know, don't stand in the back of the room, my thumbs in my, in my belt going, oh, they suck. Boy, are you kidding me? You call those basic? <laughs> Boy, they get their butt kicked in the street for sure. I'll tell you that. I see that all the time. I'm like, stop, stop, stop being sensitive. You know, everybody's in the peanut gallery, you know, being the armchair quarterback, telling you how to do right. that. But you know what? Are you out there? Are you sweating? 
Are you banging it out? Are you right. are you punching? Are you getting bruised? Are you getting bloody? Are you having a good time? Well, then you're not. Then you're just right. being a bitter person in the corner. And I don't want to sure. be a bitter guy in the corner. So I, I always pretend I was always having a great time. And I want respect, too, because you go out there and you show that you can take a hit from Vladimir. And it was great because, you know, you had a whole bunch of students there and you're doing this thing with this Malaysian crowd control thing with this whip. And it was like right. this short whip with a, with a scorpion. That's some pretty evil stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, whoa. And he, he's, he's asking for volunteers to come up there and get whipped and see if they can <laughs> you know, absorb the pain. Oh, my God. And I'm all like, oh, no. So I put my hand up and he's all like, oh, okay. Whack. You know, but, but. The other people that went up, he'd whack them once, and they're like, okay, tap out. They all tap right, out. Right, right. And I'm they're gone. Going, oh, okay, I want to learn something here, okay? It's not that I want pain, but I'm trusting this instructor is there to teach me something. And I'm not going to sit there and tap out and wimp out and whatever. I'm going to sit there and say, you can whip me until you're done. So he whipped me like, I don't know, four or five times. Mm-hmm. And one of those things where it just felt like, okay, Whack! You feel it, and you're going, okay, that that really hurt. And then all of a right. sudden, it feels like somebody took a razor blade, sliced your back open, and poured lemon juice on it. And then you're going, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, you're breathing out, and you're trying to let the whole body absorb the pain. Don't don't sure. centralize the pain. Let the whole body absorb the pain. And so, yeah. you know, I'm trying to teach myself how to gain an understanding from what he was doing because. I actually right. respect the man tremendously. And, and, you know, it's bad for business when you break the customers. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's bad business. Oh, I'm sorry. I broke this white belt. Throw me a new one. Amy, give me another question here. What, what another question can we, can we <laughs> break through here? And don't ask okay, me so it. Speaking of, oh, my gosh. I'll leave, I won't ask you anything. Don't worry. Um, so question about, obviously, Ed, you have an amazing mindset and sounds like your father did as well. And I think that's missing in a lot of martial arts today, kind of the, the, the basic mindset and thing, the basic human things that you can learn from martial arts. So putting that into like prize fighting and MMA, do you think the mindset, um, is showing the world what martial arts really is, or do you think there's a disconnect there? Both. I mean, always, I'll always say they're both there, you know. Okay. There's never one or the other. There's, there's, there is a perception of the glass is half empty. There is a perception of the glass is half full. I grew up in an era where, where the cross-training of any art was, was forbidden. If you took Shotokan, you took Shotokan. And if you took another art, you were disloyal to your, your mother art. And then mm-hmm. somewhere, somewhere in there, people started saying, okay, look, my art does not feature ground material. And and then, you know, the people would say, okay, wait a minute. We we, we study weapons, but you know what? I, I think culture that actually used weapons, like the Filipino art, might know a little bit more about sword play than, say, American Kempoists who didn't. So, so you know, there was, a, there was a, an encouragement at, at one point for people to start cross-training. And then there became mm-hmm. a need for it to be proved. It's like, okay, does cross-training really work? And that was the birth of MMA. And I think that if we look at it from a, from a more of a, a, a macro point of view instead of a micro point of view, we can see some, some things on a historical level, which is we see the evolution of 
what was taught as a secret art or a, you know, like, like when my dad learned some stuff, he was up in, in San Francisco, Chinatown, and the way that people protected their art was that it was, it was kept within families. And the families wanted to keep their houses and their property, and so they created an associations, and they put their business in the association name. So if you go to San Francisco Chinatown, you see buildings that say Lee Association, Wong Association, and that's just a family. But you talk to that family, and they teach Kung Fu, and they're teaching Kung Fu to four or five students, and that's the max they had. They didn't have three, 40, 50 students. They had half a dozen at the most. And and the thing is, is that my dad would go there and he'd, he'd pay somebody five five bucks and sh- show me the tiger and crane form, and, and they'd perform it, and he would absorb this material. But it was so different back then because it wasn't on a commercial level. It was very small. And I thought the Chinese did a very brilliant way of of, of martial arts because what they do is they start having these festivals, and different times of the year they go out and have a festival and they have a – a thing called a lion dance or a dragon dance, and and you got you know the you know you got the top student at the front, in in the head, and he's standing, he's doing his thing, and 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 the students that are underneath, uh, you know, they're all following and mimicking the foot position. They're all different ranks. Well, you know, the white belt's on the ass end of the of the dragon, and so so he's got the worst <laughs> job possible. He's not collecting. But what right. you do is they would sit there and they'd have other students go out and hand out red envelopes to the crowds. And the, the people would fill the red envelopes with money. And then for good luck, they'd take the envelope and put it in the dragon's mouth. And that was how they, you know, that's how they culturally presented, you know, um, you donate for this and you get good luck. Well, it, it wasn't the students, you know, it wasn't the, the teacher asking the students for money. They got the money from the community. I thought that was brilliant. So they didn't, you know, they weren't depending upon their own students to pay their bills. They got the community to pay their bills. And I'm like, wow, you learn so much when you start looking at the culture of martial arts and the evolution of martial arts and how it went. And what happened is, is that when Hollywood got a hold of martial arts, it was like within a year's time, you know, after watching a Bruce Lee and, and, and most people can remember back in those days when you watched the Bruce Lee movie, you guarantee when you went to go to your car after the movie, you'd hear 15 guys in the parking lot going, and it was just, that was what was mirrored in that moment. And it was, um, it was a fascinating experience because not long after that, people said, wow, let's put kids in here. Did something which I thought was wrong. I'm really opposed to what happened, but regardless of whether you're opposed to it or not, it happened. It's just, you know, things grow and they do what they do. What happened is they started putting kids in the studio, and what they did on a commercial level, they go, this is cute. Let's scale war and battle material for the kids. Let's take what's a felony to an adult and make it for kids by making it foam. Let's take Mm -hmm. nunchucks and give it to kids. That's fun because it's a toy. Let's take, Mm -hmm. you know, of uh, 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 felony, which is a throwing star in, in the ninjutsu arts. You, if if you're not a registered, you know, martial arts instructor, you can. It's a felony. You go to jail mm. for that kind of stuff. But you know what? Mm. Let's make them out of foam and plastic and give it to kids. So you got all these kids that are out there and they're taking these these, these things, and we're scaling war and battle material for children. And and to me, it, it's like. 
why didn't we adjust the material for their circumstances? Why did we adjust the children to our circumstances? And that's what we did. Hmm. And I, it, that bothered me. It still does. It still bothers me. And so I started to, to interview um, kids around, around the world uh, in, during my travels and stuff, and I'd ask them, I said, you like martial arts? Oh, I love martial arts. Is it fun? Yeah, I love it. You know, what do you love about it? I love competition. I love to bond with other students. I'm having a great time. Yeah? You ever use it for self-defense? No way, man. Why not? Mm-hmm. No way, man. I'm scared to death of using it. No, nah, man, I get suspended. I'll be kicked out of school. They are absolutely horrified with the concept of using it as a self-defense. It's an activity. It's a moral code. There's all these things they glean from it. But the adults... Mm-hmm never look at it from that perspective. They're like, oh, yeah, well, the kids ever need to use it. Yeah, but why are you teaching it? Why are you teaching the smallest denominator? 0.005% of the kids might need it. But what kid is going to need to know leap of death, is one of the techniques in Kempo, what kid's going to need to know leap of death in their grade school era? None of them need it. it. It's not something you need to know. But, you know, the instructor will say, well, you know, you never know in case, you know, in case what? The Russians invade and, and your kid <laughs> is left alone in the street and he needs to know this material? Okay, yeah, great. Right. And that 0.005% where that might happen. But why haven't you taught him material to help him survive his circumstance? And so that's my big thing. And so to me, where that came from is that we grew in martial arts. We got to MMA. MMA is out there. Well, what to me happened is, is that martial arts had a philosophy, and, it, and, it, and to me, the philosophy and the, the moral code and everything that's in martial arts, it's like the salad in a dinner, and the self-defense is meat. And what happened is MMA came along and said, let's discard the vegetables and the, and the salad and make it the all-beef menu. That, that's what we want. It's just the all-meat buffet. Well, that's mm. great. That's great because it evolved there, and that's fine, but it created a void. It completely created a void because now you have martial arts, which was the neutral, and it became now the non-neutral. And what happened is the extreme was MMA. So my passion and my direction is to go and find the counterbalance to MMA. It's like we've neglected the salad of, of, of the system. We've neglected the vegetables. We've neglected the science of the opposite side of the coin. In MMA, if you cut out the ranking system, you cut out the philosophy, then what happens after you get your butt kicked the first time? Oh, there goes your career. You're done. Interesting. You're done. Amy, we're, 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 yeah. we're leaving soon, so go ahead and ask your last question oh, okay. here. Um, let's see. Um, overall, Ed, how do you how do you balance you know, just being home and, and having a family life as well as all the amazing things you've done in your life and continue to do. What is that balance for you? It's priority. It's all about mm-hmm. priority. What do you, what mm-hmm. do you honor the most? You know, do you uh, honor the, the glitz and glam of, of having, you know, a, a, you know, an ego filled life, you know, or, you know, is that fulfilling or, or is being a, a parent, a, a husband fulfilling? And to me, you know, being a husband is the most fulfilling role I've ever had. Being a father is the most fulfilling role I've ever had. And that has to be your priority above everything. If anything impedes upon that, you got your priorities screwed up. 
You know, mm. it's time to take a it's time to take a back seat. But but that's me. You know, there there might be other people who don't have kids or don't have a marriage or you know, and then you know their career is important for them, and, and you know that it it doesn't fit in in my definition because I have commitments that I've chosen. Mm. And if people have a commitment to a career, hallelujah, work your career. Just, you know, make sure mm-hmm. that it's well-balanced. And, you know, like anything else, you know, life is nothing more than finding balances in everything. And we act like there's right. only two balances. It's a yin-yang, but it's not. Everything has a balance, you know. You have to have a, a balance of spirituality. You have to have a balance of physical. You have to have the balance of mental. You know, we, we must read. We must study. We must um, meditate. We must go to a, a lake and sit there for an hour and think of nothing. You know, we must play with our kids. We must, you know, go to bed with our wives. Don't make, you know, the project be, well, oh, honey, I'll come to bed later. You go to bed without me. Now, that's <laughs> when the mind shuts down and does stupid things, you know. Right. You know, if you want a relationship, you, you, you honor your relationship. You go to bed with your wife. You wake up with her and you honor her, you know, you – you do the best you can with your kids and hope they don't grow up and go to therapy on you, you know? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you you worked on a, a different style now, have, have you not? You work on yeah. something now that you teach. What, what is that style? Okay, this the, the thing that I found was, and, and this is where this conversation led, is that I, I, I was looking at the arts and I was like, okay, what has not been talked about? I mean, we got punching and kicking down. We've got, you know, long gun techniques, short gun techniques, mm-hmm. nine, mm-hmm. noon we, we We beat all that stuff to death. Well, to me, it's kind of like you don't want one more guy out there teaching you how to correctly do it. So that's covered. I'm fine with that. You know, there's some masters right. out there, and I admire, I admire their knowledge and their expertise in that. But my my direction was I started looking at things, and I'm going, okay, what about the other side of self-defense? Now, this is this mm-hmm. is where it gets kind of strange because it's never Go been ahead. really discussed or talked about. And that is, is that let's put it in scenarios. Drunk Uncle Bob, there he is. He's got you in a headlock at a family reunion, and all you know is the grip of death. You know, right. You right. Know how to annihilate <laughs> Uncle Bob, but you can't kill Uncle Bob. You got to figure sure. out how can you navigate as the master of martial arts. How can you right. navigate so it walks out win-win and Uncle Bob is not in some traction in the hospital <laughs> or he's not in the morgue, you know, because you right. went into auto mode. And so my angle was, do we really understand there's two sides to every coin? There is, right. you know, when, you, when, when I started looking at this whole thing, I started looking at some of a microscope, telescope kind of thing. And then I was going, okay, let's look at the philosophy of martial arts. I, I've been around guys that brag about 15, 20 fights they get in a year, and I'm like, right. who are you that puts you in <laughs> You know? I mean, where's your head? Who like, gets into 15, 20 you know? fights a year? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you names, man. There's a couple of guys that, That's you know, crazy to me. That's yeah, crazy. But they, you know, that's, that's you know, there was an era where that happened. Some of these guys are, you know, pushing 90 now, but, but that, that was the era that they grew up in. And when I started to look at it, when I started seeing the hole that we created for kids, we do right. not have a self-defense program that adjusts for them. And so right. what I did was I started to look at it from uh, a definition point of view. Let's just look at the definition of martial arts. Where did the name come from and what does it mean? 
It means mm. Mars, the god of war, who was a Roman right. person that was That's deified right. because of what he did. And right. martial arts started off as the arts of Mars. And it was nothing more than war and battle material. And to me, it's like, and we're teaching war and battle material to kids? Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's fine and dandy, but why are we not showing, sharing them the other side of the coin? And sure. I started looking for the other side of the coin, and it didn't exist. So what I'm going is I'm saying, okay, if you look at this, what is the, 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 the philosophy of martial arts is I win, you lose. And it, and it comes from the collision science. You know, I'm going to collide into you. I'm going to collide into you with a knee, a, a punch, a kick, whatever. Mm-hmm. Time it so that I don't hurt myself, but I hurt you. Well, that's fine and dandy, but there's got to be an opposite science, science that exists. Mm-hmm. And I found it. I literally found the opposite science. Now, we have it in the martial arts, too. I mean, there's a lot of Tai Chi material. There's a lot of wushu, sure. kung fu material that's yeah. out there. So the regeneration was, of I energy did, and the regurgitation of energy, yeah. It, it's there. But what, what people would do, and I, and I saw it in martial arts where people go, go I, I teach peaceful stuff, too. Uh-huh. Like what? Well, I just punch left. Okay. Uh-huh. That's not it. So I kept digging for it, and I finally found how – to, to, to define it and, and work it. And what I found was you have to live a win-win philosophy. I win, you win. You have to live mm. a redirective science. Right. And that's the difference between what I'm doing and what, what martial arts. And it, it's not you don't give one up over the other. It's like sure. I'm completely fine with my, with my 357 Magnum, and I'll use it <laughs> on a bear if it comes after me, you know. The last thing I'm going to do is be out there and be peaceful, whole peace sign. If they don't hurt me, so so the thing is, knowledge is knowledge, and knowledge is power. And the right. thing is, but I also want that knowledge that puts me in a situation where I win a circumstance because I have compassion about the idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. Sure. And I can put him in that situation. So we started teaching this. I don't know, I've been working on this for 30 years, and 10 years ago, I started teaching this in Arizona when I was living down there. I, I saw that. And, I remember. Yeah. And. We had nine kids get in fights and zero suspensions. The school system loved it. And so mm-hmm. um, right now we've got the um, the Rotary Club International um, trying to work with us and sponsor us fully on creating a curriculum uh, right. and teach, you know, the opposite science. It's, it's basically the art of peace. And yeah. uh, it's called actual art. That's right. Because Mars, the Roman god of war, and right. Pax was the Roman goddess of peace. So you right. take M-A-R off of Marshall and you replace it with P-A-X, it's the Paxial arts. Right. And to me, you know, I, 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 I'm very knowledgeable with the, the physical knowledge that I have, but right. I'm tired of always practicing the, the you know, the grab, grab, dislocate, Cut, you know, no, I, I'm so I'm so proud. You know, when I when I watched your style, I was so proud and so happy to see the style that you that you developed. It was beautiful, and it was it was um, in sync to what masters would want to create and their and their own future. So it was very nice. Yeah, it's been great because my wife has been. Um... She wrote curriculums in Asia, and so she has a knowledge of, of writing curriculums. And we combined our forces where I've been able to take, you know, 30 years of 
teaching and stuff and take these discoveries and throw it out there. And to me, the ultimate self-defense individual knows both sides of the coin. I, I look at martial arts as only one side of the coin. You have to master both. You have right. to be in a situation. Like, I mean, when I, when I think about it, it's like, when do you become um, Mr. Miyagi? You know, <laughs> when do you become Splinter? Right. I mean, right. When, when do you reach that top point where you're the old man? Or when do you Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi is a very different quota. I got to be honest with you, because he has great trauma. So it, it's, a, it's a very different individual that, that you're trying to reach. You know what? It, it, the thing is, is that it's a science, and it's not about the business. In my pers- my perspective, it's about planting the seed. Because right. look, we've we've had what you know. Let, let's just look at it from a biblical point of view. We've had nine thousand sure. years of perfecting the art of war. You mm-hmm. know, and 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 here I'm I'm, I'm discovering the if art. If not of longer, peace. by the way, a, if not longer. <laughs> if not, if not longer, let's go into uh, to Darwin. So now we're talking sure. hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. Sure. Anyways, man perfected the art of war, and it's not a right. matter of it's not a matter of you know okay, I'm going to have a bunch of patchal arts dojos all over the place. What you right. do is you go look. There's a science here. Absorb this material. If you become hmm. familiar with us, opposite science, and you have a choice, I can I can put you in the grave, or I can make you feel like a dumbass and feel really humble. But you know that I could have done something to you. You know I could have put you in the grave. Sure. But I didn't. But I didn't. And, and, and I, but I didn't. And I put you in a situation where you're in a moment of self-reflection. Right. And that you can what, think about what just happened to you. But you, well, I had a, a guy who took my course, and he was in Florida. And he was an MMA fighter, but he also took my course, and he, and he really loved it and everything else. And he was a title fighter. And a couple of guys at the Shell gas station down there in, I can't remember where it was, Fort Lauderdale or something like that, they jumped yeah. him at the gas station. And wow. he used Paxual Arts five, six, seven times. Then a third guy jumps in there and he says, okay, I'm done. Boom, 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 knocks them all out. Well, wow. they found out he was a, a title fighter. They went after him legally and they said, oh, we're going to sue you. You're a title fighter. You should know that. It's better. always a way people go. Case, Isn't that creepy? Oh. Yeah, well, in the court case, they showed the video. And the yeah. judge and the jury and everything, they, he showed extreme prejudice to not right over, over five, six times. Then he went into kill mode and, and right. he got off. I mean, right. That's what it's about. It's like giving you the option. You know, it, it can't always be sledgehammer. That oh, is yeah, self-defense. Yeah, I got a crowbar, <laughs> and that's what I got. You know, and I'm going to battle with a sledgehammer and a crowbar at all times. Well, hey, know, hey, hey, Amy, we we don't have a lot of time left. You know, if you have a question, ask it now. Okay, um, I guess just somebody um, from you know somebody who is still continuing in the martial arts world and in Hollywood. How you know, kind of what we were talking about before, bringing that philosophy of, philosophy of martial arts back into existence and um, make it more prominent. Um, how how can what can I do to bring that more to the forefront? Is there anything I can do? Is there anything as a martial arts community that we can do um, to kind of bring Ex- that back into the forefront? Sure, expand your horizon beyond the the um, uh, revenge plot script. <laughs> Twelve scripts in Hollywood, and one of them is the revenge plot. Oh my gosh! Yes. The 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 concept is 
you know, that the bad guy has to be so bad that the good guy is justified in killing. And to me, one of the things that I love the most was seeing some of the Jackie Chan movies where he's getting in a fight and he's kicking the crap out of some other guy, and they're both doing these leg shin kicks, and then all of a sudden they stop to rub each other's shins, and they're like, oh, sorry, (laughs) to me, or or like in the lackey, you know, where you got some low blood sugar. You, you, You start putting human stuff in there, and you start finding opportunities to be a teacher and to change yeah. the philosophy of our culture. And I think that, you know, there's some majorly talented people in the martial arts that are in the Hollywood industry. And to yeah. me, it's a matter of, you know, do we have opportunities to add humor? Do we have opportunities to add wisdom? Do we have opportunities to be a role model? And that's what we should mm-hmm. pursue, you know, that. I mean, the bottom right. line is, is that, you know, stay away from the revenge plots, you know, I personally, I fall asleep during those movies. You know what? Like, you know, I, I think that as long as we have masters like yourself, who are you know forward thinking, that are conscientious, that, that really that have wives like yourself. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> that that care about the things that you're talking about. I, I don't see how things can drop. You know. You know, Down. you just said that you said the magic word, care. It literally is the magic word. You care. Yeah. Because I, I guarantee you that the way I was taught martial arts, all those techniques do not involve the word care. Every mm-hmm. one of them, every single thing, mm-hmm. all 156 techniques, not one of them teaches me care. Not one. Right. So. Right. You know, how how much do you want to defend that that choice of care? I mean, right. I, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I raised a part of my life where I liked blood. I liked hurting people. It was fun. Sure. But sure. I, of but course. I grew up. I grew up. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I don't want to go down that football mentality the rest of my life. You know, what do you, what do you want the future of, of you sincerely, your martial arts and the martial arts of your father to look like in the future? What do you want it oh, to look like? My, oh, yeah. My dad's art, I, I don't care at all. Zero. Okay. Zero investment. Okay. And okay. Not, not in a negative way. In a way of, it's it's like Frankenstein's monster. Maybe a bad analogy saying Frankenstein. But it's, I understand it's what you're saying. Itself. Yeah, it, it's yeah. an entity of itself. My job, you know, as his son is to guard and grow. I don't right. really, you know... I just like to watch what direction it goes. I like to see the garden. It's like, like a freestyle garden, you know? And I like right. to see that, that out of that garden grows the next Matosi or the next Chow or the next Emperado or the next Ed Parker. And it sure. hasn't surfaced yet, not, not from my perspective. And sometimes it takes decades for that next Ed Parker to, to, to manifest. That's and right. so from my point of view, I don't want to influence it. You know, this interview influences it, but I don't. It's not my goal. My goal is I just like to watch the garden grow. So from that perspective, I, I, you know, it's, I don't have an invested interest in it other than well, it's going to grow where it goes. Let's just, you know, well, we have, like in the the movie. We have, we have, have forty five hundred people listening here right now, so they're oh. listening to 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 what you're saying. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well. 
right now I got my wife here and the two of you, and that's my perspective. Oh, I got my dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I, 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 you know, if you if you don't mind, I, I would love to talk to your wife for just uh, literally thirty seconds. I, I, absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw her under the bus. Here we go. Go ahead, throw her under the bus. Let me, let me listen there for, for thirty seconds. Hi, Steve. Hey, Long how are you no doing? Tea. Hey, how are you Good. doing? How are you doing? You, you well, thank you so much for coming out to to the Lackey premiere. You know, you you blessed us so much by coming out and and showing your support for our film. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you. I was so impressed with with you that day, and I still remember it well. Yeah how how have you been? Have you been well? We've been wonderful. We love our mountaintop with all the wildlife and. The people are colorful, so it makes well for writing, which is my passion. Oh, <laughs> uh, mine too. Not in, a cre- not in a creepy way, but I always think about you, and I, I I always think about you guys being together and being those exclusive parts over there in, in, in Oregon or what have you. How does it feel to be separated from the rest of, uh, you know, I would say the human race? Well, it's kind of interesting because Ed and I are very yin-yang in the sense that he was very much in the limelight when I met him. He was 15, I was 14, and we had this one golden summer where we were literally best friends, inseparable, and then we didn't see each other for 40 years, and he was always in the limelight, and being the only boy... um, there was a lot of limelight on him when we were kids. And then um, my life was the opposite. I was very shy and sheltered being the only girl. And then I ended up in Asia living with the indigenous people on a mountaintop. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) yeah. And I grew up with no TV and I was a book reader and a researcher. And so we are very much, um, Yin Yang. How blessed are you? Wow. It's interesting because when we were young, you know, he had dark hair and tall, and now he has silver hair. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't think either one of us pictured ourselves at this place in life, but it it is interesting how if you hold on and you don't stop believing, it does come around. You have a wonderful energy, and uh, you're an excellent human being. You know, I, I, I sit next to you. I, we, we spoke to each other, and, and I, I, you know, it's easy to fall in love with a person like you. What was it, what was it like to be together with somebody you have been apart with each other for such a long time, and then all of a sudden you guys get magnetically just pulled together again? Well, it's kind of funny because when we reconnected seven years ago, um, I was taking care of World War II vets, um, Hmm. just almost like 16, 18-hour days in nursing. And um, I always joked and said I sat at the exit gate of life because I I took care of their last needs and everything. And, And I never gave my number out anyone and um i happened to see ed's post on hold on on a second so so you're the ones who saw their lights go out 
saw. I'm sorry. What? So you were the ones who, who saw. You were the one who saw their lights go out. So, saw their yes. lights leave. So, yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Thirteen people. I yes. call them my angels. They're, they yes. don't go away. When people leave this life, they never they don't go, go away. Far. Yeah. No, they don't. And, they don't. And I truly believe that during that time, Ed's mom and dad, Leilani and um, and Ed Senior. Because Ed Senior was like a surrogate dad to me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a long story, but his dad and my dad were in college together, and wow. So it was, it was. We have quite a background. <laughs> wow. But, um, I believe that Ed and Leilani were on the other side, reaching across, saying, "You know what, Edmund needs? <laughs> he needs her." <laughs> and there are a lot of things that happened that let me know that. It, it wasn't accident. So yeah, it's mathematically impossible to say it was by coincidence. No, it's, I, I, it's mathematically impossible. You know what? There's no way it's a coincidence. No way. No. No. Uh, and you, that you day too... we went to your theater is interesting because I was, you know, Ed always knew I was a very shy person, and um, there's only one person I would step into the arena of Hollywood or the arena of Ed's life. Um, and that's Ed. I wouldn't have done it for anyone else because it's not a passion I have. And I've met some wonderful people in the time that Ed and I have been together in the last seven, almost eight years. And, um, that was the first I stepped out publicly was when we went to your theater. Really? So, yeah, and I was I was quite nervous, and and Ed was always like a coach to me, and he'd say, "Watch your ninety wow. forty five because he's it, you have to explain." Yeah, I, I I taught her I taught her the the art of knowing how to navigate through that kind of stuff. Yes, I call it ninety forty five. You stay right. ninety degrees straight up and down. You keep your head high, but you keep your eyes down forty five degrees. You don't look at people in their eyes. Right. Don't look weak. Don't don't shrug your shoulders. Stand straight up, but look just below the eye level and just glide through the room. I said, you'll be fine. Wow. <laughs> you look so strong. And always... I have pictures of us together. You look so strong, so confident. I hide it well, but Ed was always a coach for me because I, I have three brothers, and I you yeah. know, kind of knew how to navigate in, in certain settings, but Ed talked me into jumping off a – Hundred, what was that? 120 foot waterfall when I was hmm. 14, and he told me how to fall. <laughs> wow! And I'm convinced I wouldn't be here if he hadn't have taught me how to fall. <laughs> no, I don't think you so, would be here. No, no I don't I think you would be here. For Ed. <laughs> yeah, I would fall for Ed too, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he's, he's a better person than people know. You know, I, I'm I'm so happy to know you. I, I'm so glad to have met you. I, you know, Thank I'm so you. proud that you came out to my show, especially going through what you went through. Um, you honor me by 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 saying things like that, and, and uh, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I was very impressed. Ed Ed really talked you up before we went because I was so nervous. <laughs> 
He said, yeah. no, really, he's a nice guy. You like him. He's really nice. He's really down to earth. And, and he's always been right every time he tells me that. Wow. And he, he kind of gives me heads up for people in the industry that aren't so much that way. Um, yeah. And he, he's kind of a coach for me. But he's been right every time. Every time he tells me someone is is genuine. I resonate you, with genuine. <laughs> you, 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 you sincerely pierced my heart. And uh, I, I appreciate everything you said. <laughs> everything you said to me. Don't make me cry, please. Uh, thank you so. <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me right now. I'm going to finish well, up with with, you. with your husband real quick. But I was so happy to have met you. I'm so happy to know you, and I'm so glad to call you friend. And uh, anytime yeah, you, you, you know, anytime you ever need anything from your friend, I'm, I'm always here for you. But let's, uh, well, yeah, well next, let's, next time you need to get out of that craziness, there's a there's a very peaceful mountaintop with a with an incredible <laughs> with an incredible uh, loft extra bedroom up on a on a creek where there's no people, there's nothing, <laughs> there's deer and 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 you know you can go gold panning up here. It's great. I, 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 it's great. I would find it a great honor to come visit you and and just have fun and just for us to just enjoy ourselves. And I, just to be I, I know you would enjoy yourself. I know yeah. you would enjoy yourself. And, so, and you, you know what? The best restaurant in the house is our house. Really? We're both, we're, you, yeah, we're both really good cooks, and we love to to uh, you know cook homemade meals, and uh, and uh, we're good at it thanks to YouTube. <laughs> I, I I love to cook as well. So I love this. I love cool. to, to put my my finger into the pot and uh, cook for you guys as well. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love. I love cooking because it's it, it's the one thing I think that keeps me down to earth and gives me it gives me solace. It gives, it you know what? People calm. don't eat when they're depressed or they're angry. They don't. They eat when they're happy. <laughs> they don't. You know, depression is a great great way to lose weight. <laughs> right? Right? It is. Unfortunately, we're not depressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not depressed. We use a little more hiking in our lives, but. <laughs> Hey, 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 Amy, do, 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 do you have any quick questions for, for our friend before we go? It was so lovely to hear from your wife. She sounds like an amazing woman, and it's very inspiring as somebody who's getting married um, to kind of look at you guys and just hear how wonderfully you, you work together. So thank you for you know bringing That's, her on. She sounds congratulations. lovely. My wife and I thank wish you, you uh, so much success with, with uh, your your new journey. And, and and marriage and and it's great to to hear that you've made that choice. It was a it was a pleasure uh, hearing from you and hearing your your wise questions and and your enthusiasm for for the direction that you're in and uh, very appreciated. And my yes, wife sure. and I, again, as, as, as I always said, you know, if, if I could, you know, I told her several times if I could have a daughter, it would be her. She's an incre- she's an incredible she's an incredible human being. Uh, a great martial artist, and uh, you know I can't say enough nice things about this human being. I just well, can't. there's not enough. There's not enough out there. So sign bright so that you stand out and and hold fast to what principles that you you right. put in your life. You know, on, honor and and true and, and all that because it's it, you know at the end of the day you know like this whole COVID fiasco you know who knows how we're gonna 
spit out the other end on this. We, we don't really know. Is our country going to fall apart? You know, are we going to unravel or whatever? But the bottom line is, is that all we can do is be true to ourselves and what we believe in right. and what we honor. And, you know, we can be true to that and don't lose right. your way. And, you know, there is rewards for, for diligence. Right. What, what do you want to see? Thank you so much. Go ahead, Amy. Go ahead. I just thank you so much for those words of both of you guys. It really, really means a lot to me coming from the both of you. I really look up to you both and um, very inspiring, motivating, and um, just lovely words from you both. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) From the both of of you who have been, you know, really great friends of mine for such a long time, you know, and and I hope this interview will, will pay homage to the the bad interview we did a long time ago, which didn't didn't age well, you know, what do you what do you want your future to pay off to to be? What do you want your future to 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 see? What do you see I, in the I, I future? Think, well, the, the whole goal for us is to, is to document our discoveries in in this curriculum, and the curriculum is nothing more than seeds. You know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. You can make people, right. you know, be influenced to buy a book, but you can't make them open it and read it. You know, that's just a choice. And our, our hopes are that we can plant seeds that will grow. And and that's all, That's all. you know, anybody wants is to, to know that your discoveries are a found of value and they'll take root and they'll grow and people will be able to not only understand it but become masters of it on their own and or use it as seeds to to germinate their own discoveries um right. and I, I you know at 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 the age I am now I'm 60 years old I'm a year older than my dad was when he died and wow. so you t- you take that into consideration saying you know I'm grateful I live longer than my dad did but you know I'm I'm on the clock now and I'm concerned my health You know what's fine. sad is I, you know what's sad is I know I know exactly what you're talking about Thank you yeah yeah, I mean, you just have this urgency because you know your your parents died at a certain age, and yeah. you want to outlive them. And and, right. you, and you look at it, and you go, the bad thing is, is that my dad fulfilled his lifetime in fifty nine years, and I haven't fulfilled my goals yet. So that means I'm I'm I, you know, I, I can't leave early. I have to stick around long enough. And I, I'm healthy, and I'm 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 in you know, good mental faculties and everything else and and good spiritually grounded and stuff like that and i'm in an incredibly wonderful relationship so you know that keeps your 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 pulse going strong and everything else and so you know i'm not sitting there you know picking out my coffin and (laughs) you know lying in it waiting for the moment you know right but but uh you know i have goals that that my wife is has adopted as her goals with me and and you know and so you know, the goal is to be able to finish those those goals and get that out there. And and if you can plant seeds where people say, oh, wait, I, I get your discoveries. They're brilliant. I, you know, I, they became my discoveries. I, I know what to do with this. I'm going to do something with this. That's all anybody could ever hope and want is that your wisdom isn't wasted. Your discoveries aren't overlooked. And I think that that's what, you know, if, if that's what you do, that's what you, that's what you hope for. You know, like I said, I don't right. want to be a big at. I don't want Ed Parker Sr. to begat Ed Parker Jr. who begat Ed Parker III. And that's my existence right. is just being a begat, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> don't want that. 
but I've done that with my artwork. My artwork will live on walls long after I'm dead, and I'm happy. Your art about is beautiful. That. Your art is yeah, wonderful. I'm, I'm, You're a I'm wonderful artist. But art is just bling. It's just a pretty thing, and I want to be known for more than a you pretty know what? thing. I I, you be. know, this is where I'm going to correct you. Art is more than a pretty thing. It's an expression of the soul. It, it's 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 more than that. It makes people feel things that you would never expect. And your art is really incredible. It's honorable. Well, I'm not going to ruin it, this moment with my opinion, okay? <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, when I look at your art, it, it, it makes me feel something about the character. It makes me wonder about the person who is involved. It makes me look at the color, like you said before, about the blue and the red and what, what people were saying. It does make me think, why were you thinking of that color? It does make me wonder, why were you thinking about this position this, uh, this, uh, you know, this character, it, it makes me think a lot of things. It makes me wonder. You're, you're, it, you're that, pink, that you is know? The, the goal. The goal is yeah. to command your audience to stop, look, right. wonder, question. That's the whole point. I mean, your audience is your audience, whether it's a film, whether it's music, whatever. You know, you, right. you, you, if you're a songwriter, you want your, you want your audience to listen to the whole song. And not just the beat. But you want them to hear your lyrics. You want them. You want them to to understand that. And that's the goal of any artist is to command your audience to a moment of of reverence and a moment of in, engagement that you want. And you know right. that's the hope of being an artist is that you can command an audience. You know, I, I want somebody to walk by my artwork and go, huh. and then right. double back and go, oh, let me take a second, second look. Then I got you. Then I did my job. You know, my my right. job is to make you go, huh? Let me take another look at this, and then I've done my job. And if I've done that, yeah. you know, you know, that's my goal. If it can go deeper than that, and somebody can say, I like the feeling of this, or it inspires me to to do this for my loved ones, or I, right. you know, I I'd like to pick up a, my my artwork again, or this makes me want to write or write a song, and and that's you know that's creation. There's two things. Creating right. or destroying, and right. I'd rather be on the, the side of creating than destroying. So that's funny. This is so martial arty. You know, the only thing that can create and destroy. You know, it's it's so martial arty. Yep. It's, it, it goes along the way. <laughs> Go for you know, you're, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you're, you're such a great guy, and you know, I, I've appreciated our friendship throughout the years, and it. You know, thank you for so much for coming out to my first film. You and your wife are really a an example of what real marriage is about, what real love is about. And you two are just amazing together. And you thank guys you. coming out, for, you know, you guys coming out for my, my film and what have you, you know, it w- was incredible. It was really a, it surpassed my wildest dreams. And, well, uh, I'm from our perspective, it was fun. It's like, oh, really? Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are wonderful, you know, and I really appreciate your time today. And, uh, you know, a- Amy, okay. do you have anything uh, anything to say uh, as a goodbye? Oh, I just want to say thank you to the both of you for letting me ask these questions and uh, really, really having these amazing words of wisdom from you both. Um, I as a martial artist, I want to carry on as much as I possibly can with the styles and things that I learned from 
you know, people that have been there before. And I take everything that you said to heart, both of you, and I just really appreciate this conversation. It was lovely to listen to you both talk as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, my my friend, uh, I, I promise you, I will soon come visit you. Uh, you know, you guys have a lovely place out You'll there. Really I know I'll enjoy. We'll be together, and we'll we'll have a glass of wine if, if you're into that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll we'll enjoy our lives. Well, grape juice for us, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't drink wine. No, we don't drink alcohol. Oh, then grape juice it is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I hope you're doing well. I hope your family's doing well. I, you know, I hope you stay. I can say is this. Life is yeah. bliss. Life I'm glad. Bliss. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. For, I'm very, I'm extremely happy for you. Be well, Thank my friend. We're going to give you okay. the clap out here. And we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, oh, you I and that. I will talk later on. Woo-hoo. We're going to give you a clap out. Here we go. Clap out. <laughs> here we go. The Elvis moment. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Goodbye, my friend. You have yourself a great right. day. You too. Take care. Bye, you too. Amy, you there? Bye. Hi, <laughs> I'm here. Okay. Well, we're we're gonna say our goodbyes. So why don't you just stay with me for a second here? Uh, you know, what was what was your thought? You know, really quick. I mean, really quick. What was your thought of, of the of the talk with him, Ed Parker? Um, I mean, I'm so inspired to hear him chat. I'm I knew he was going to be, you know, I know he's a great martial artist and has done a lot of amazing things, but just listening to his mentality and his mindset of things and and how human he is was was a really good listen. Um, and he just has such a strong, beautiful mindset that I that I strive for. So it was really really nice to hear. Thank you for bringing me on. Absolutely. You know, you're you're a great great um, guest questioner here. But you know, as, as we leave here, let's let's remember everybody. You know, Ed Parker Jr. has been a, a friend of mine for a, quite a long time, and he's been a great friend to us as an audience, and we appreciate him. We love him so much, and we. Appreciate his time. He was our sixth guest as a show. Sixth. And now he's our 99th. He's our 99th guest. Such a great man. You heard him talk about martial arts, you heard him talk about art. You heard him talk about his wife and his life, both combined together. Him coming to our our movie, The Lackey, my first movie ever at the Quentin Tarantino Theater. That was her first movie. How exciting is that? How brilliant is that? She went over anxiety and trauma to get over that, to, to be there for me, for that movie. What a great honor.
At Parker Jr., we appreciate you being part of our show. We love you so much. Don't we, Amy? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> we love him so much. And thank you so much for being part of our family. And Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being part of our family as well. And uh, we welcome you into the family. And thank you so much for being here today, Amy. It's an honor. Thank you for inviting me. And for all of you out there who are listening in there, I want you to remember that these are the days of reflection. These are the days you need to look within yourself as you listen to Ed Parker Jr., as you listen to Amy as an extreme martial artist, as an actress, as herself. They're very sincere in their lives. They love their life. As you go on into your life, do you love your life? Have you forgiven those people? Have you forgiven yourself? Have you read that book? Have you written that book? Have you written that movie? Have you watched that movie? Listen to these people speak. They speak with the most complete honesty. With the complete earnest that they can. Forgive yourself. Forgive other people. Move on with your life and reach out to other people. If coronavirus, if this whole pandemic has taught us anything, is to move on with our life being better people, most earnest people. Amy, anything else? I can't top that. That was beautiful. All of you, please think about yourself. Think, think about your family. Think about what you need to do coming next in your life I love you all thank you for this platform I'm Steve Pisa and this is Amy for Cinema Files Radio we appreciate you listening today may you have a blessed day and please be well and take care of yourself goodbye Amy Take care. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 